This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Liverpool was the game we were all dreading and we're going to talk about it tonight with Richard Mason from the Northern Echo Chris Thompson who's the assistant editor at Love Supreme and myself Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker of course right uh, prior to yesterday afternoon Gareth I'll start with you as always this was a game I'd been looking forward to the least mm-hmm. less than any other game I think in the history of supporting Sunderland yet when it sort of the rumours started filtering through so mid afternoon was it that he was he was looking at playing three centre halves? I thought you would be delighted. That was my um, initial sort of reaction, but it sort of made it a little bit interesting, didn't it? Just to mm. see him try something different, and it you know the game didn't seem as scary then. I think. Yeah, I think it was uh, the the experimental element of it um, certainly sort of took the edge off the, the from a of the fear. Of, yeah, the <laughs> fear. Yeah, it was like well, even if we get beat, we'll see. If exactly, this works yeah, or not, yeah. Um, and we, I think we talked about it last week about his different systems and formations, and I think we did joke about the three-five, well, the Christmas tree three-five-two <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, and we just kind of dismissed it, saying, "Oh, he's not going to do that." And mm. sure enough, he uh, goes and does it. So you could die a happy man now, though. Well, I don't think I was on your bucket list, mm. wasn't it, Sunderland? <laughs> um, somebody else, somebody else doing something on your bucket list, playing a three-five-two. Three, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we've done it before. Actually, Steve Bruce played a three-five-two at Stoke, um, and we lost three-two. Right. I don't know if you remember that. I can remember the game. I, can't, I couldn't. I, I don't think, think I'd have been able to remember that. Montari and Sessegnon and uh, oh somebody else. It might have been Henderson actually uh, played in the middle, and he had uh, Montari was mint everywhere apart from here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were in theme with Sunderland players. Yeah, that, it? anyway, it sounds familiar, doesn't it, Richard? I thought it was interesting. Poyet on Sky Sports before the game. He revealed that they've been tinkering, tinkering with this formation for a while. Said it, it was an option to play it in the in the League Cup final against Man City. Now he didn't. He went four in that game. Does that could indicate a couple of things? Maybe a, a change in level of confidence in the Sunderland players that he thought four defenders aren't going to cope with this Liverpool side, um, and also just because I suppose he would argue that it's because Liverpool are very different compared to other teams. In the striking areas, I think I think both both Liverpool and Manchester City are teams that that you have to change yourselves to deal with. I mean, there's a lot of kind of managers in the league kind of go, "Oh, well, let the other team, the other teams worry about us." But it was different with with you know the, the the attacking force that Liverpool and Man City kind of provide. And I think what put them off doing it at Wembley was the fact that you don't want to make too many changes. Doesn't look good coming out, kind of saying, "Oh, we're going to play with five, one, two, three, four, five." You put, you're, you're putting your cards on the table, aren't you? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It was like we're here to defend, yeah. kind of thing. But I think it was entirely sensible last night to do it at Anfield against the Liverpool side that that kind of saw free form in attack. And do you think? I mean, I don't. I suppose what I'm getting at is, do you think you would have done this three or four weeks ago, or do you think it's a sign of sort of how how low confidence is, and and this was you know an ultra safe option? 
I think you just needed to do something. Just do something different, you know, just just mix it up a bit. It, what what was happening at the at the moment obviously wasn't wasn't working and I think for for twenty minutes on Wednesday night you saw something that could be resembling Sunderland's strongest team. Do you think, Chris, that a month ago Poyet would have would have played the system or do you, or do you think he probably would have set up maybe trusted for at the back and and had sort of the hope that he might pinch a point or even three points. Do you, do you think last night it had almost I don't want to sort of do do an injustice and be insulted and say damage limitation, but it sort of had that feel about it, didn't it? Um yeah, well I wouldn't say damage limitation per se, but I'd say my theory was that he played five at the back to accommodate to centre to be honest, because we saw how um how stretched our defence were against Hull, um with Descender playing left back. And um you know, it was it was almost to the extent where John O'Shea was covering two positions, you know. And um obviously with Alonso being suspended and having to play a centre there last night, I think I think he got it I think he got a bang on to be honest, playing five at the back. Probably Desenna the first time since the Newcastle game you weren't sort of watching him with your uh, eyes or uh, with your hands over your eyes at least. So. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean I wouldn't say he had a brilliant game but I mean in comparison he, he to the he managed, last didn't night, he? he managed, like, didn't he? I he think yeah, should he have got out there to storage, shouldn't he, really, for the for the goal, I thought. He given far too much space on the edge of the area. He's got a. I mean, Brown was behind him. He could have closed him. Um, they weren't overloaded on that side at the time, and it was obvious Sturridge was going to come in. It was favourite foot. You know, the second top score in the Premier League. I mean, you know, played, shown him onto his good side yeah, on the edge he, of the area. He was never going to go under his right foot no. in the position he was. Like the goal was was there for the taking. You know, it was like. Yeah. That's, close them down. that's a frustrating thing about last night and you know the first goal as well you know it's bad um, I mean if you give the ball away in the middle Catamol you know it's it's not great um, to be fair to Catamol though again like Poyet said he's the more he has the ball the more he's going to he's one who's going to make the most mistakes um, and it was costly again Virginie you know silly and then the free kick itself was when you watch it back, it's just like, all right, Stephen, have a free shot at goal from twenty yards. I thought you were talking to me there. <laughs> but like, it was re- I was I channeled my inner Andy Gray. We referred to him with his, by his first name, like I know him because we're mates. Um, yeah, just it was just ridiculous. It was like they just give him a free shot at goal. Like there was no real, you know, it was obvious what he was going to do, and like Manoni could have done better. Manoni a fault, Richard, for that, for the free kick. Have you done better? I, I never understand why they do that when they when they put all the weight on the other side and obviously it's obviously that's where it's going to go. So why kind of move over and, and do that? You kind of imbalance yourself straight away before you, before you even start. Yeah, he, like, he spends all that time setting his wall up, then he he gets himself in a position to cover the goal, and then all of a sudden he he jumps onto his onto his right foot and yeah. <laughs> oh, like, what's but anyway, one, one observation that sort of me and, and my friends have, have made though regarding Manoni is that his positional sense is generally better than making as I thought because I often I mean my brother talks to me a lot and he was a keeper and he, he sort of says that he makes the saves look easier because of his positioning is so good yeah. um, but yeah, I think w- free kick was definitely questionable I wouldn't it? say that's position I just think it's like how he, he gets how himself he ready in a shot to make to make the save he yeah, doesn't set him and funnily enough actually the um, whole game I know the goal was different Jelovic's goal but if you look at the way the flight of the ball, the way it goes into the net, there was a, it was similar. He, he he kind of set himself and then set himself again, and then Jelovic has headed it, and then he's he's hasn't got a stronger hand, strong enough hand to keep it out because his his footwork 
um, for that moment, that split second, and the same with a goal, and that's all it can take. Like when you've got, you know, you know strong shots on target, it's it, you know in the Premier League, it's difficult to keep them out anyway. So if you're not quite right, you know, it's it's going to cost you. Mm, two players you mentioned there, sort of at fault for the goal, Virginia Catamol. You've just touched on the on the fact Catamol there. He's, he's he's getting a lot of the ball. He's excused to make mistakes. Um, because he's 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 seeking for the ball. Luke Ball mentioned it last week, didn't he? I'd like to know what Richard and, and Chris think about that. Chris, he's I mean, to let you know where I gauge him as a player, I think he could do a job for a lot of Premier League sides. However, when if those sides if they're predominantly possession sides, you know, in inverted commas, possession teams and look to keep the ball, he's gonna get found out and he, he he's it's happened a few times, so where are we with that? Well, I actually think that Catamol is the best English ball winning midfielder, to be honest. And if it wasn't for his, um, you know, his, his stigma, I actually think that he might actually be scraping the England team if we had a manager that was willing to play a system that employed a, um, a ball winning midfielder. Obviously, if Hodgson's just going to go for the, the typical Roy Hodgson formation, it's it's not going to happen. If he was playing like a three man midfield, I think Catamol could actually scrape the surface of the England team a little bit because I, th- I think he does have a, a very key role to play in a certain system. But uh, you know, obviously, his biggest his biggest weakness is, is his um, his error proneness, and he can he can have you know a pretty good game, but he'll, he'll just he'll just play like a lazy pass back to the defence, and as as we saw last night, it gets intercepted, and and you know that's that's what people are going to remember. And you can't have thinking Richard that Gus Poyet in particular is going to you know he, that's important to him, isn't it? That yeah. position, and and, yeah. and like Chris said, he, he could be generally having a really good game. I mean, this is, you know, there's there's evidence in the fact that we 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 spoke about this about three times now. This is about the third time we've mentioned that he's having decent games, but then he's given a goal away yeah. by a loose pass, and it's going to have to stop, isn't it? Or he's going to have to be replaced. Do you think? I think I think I would agree with I would agree with Chris and say that he would that he's a you know he's a great defensive midfielder that should be. Touching somewhere near the England squad. I mean, if Tom Cleverley can get in the England squad, <laughs> he should be getting somewhere near to it. Or at least you know, he used to be kind of being watched. You know, is he being watched? Is he on the radar? Does he does he get anywhere near? You know, not not just thirty man squads, but does he get down to a fifty man shortlist where you think, well, Catamol is playing well. But the problem is, it's see, you don't, we don't we don't see enough of it here here, kind of covering games in in the northeast. We don't see enough of those performances. And every time he turns a corner, looks like he's pushing towards it. Something happens, and 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 because it's Lee Catamol, it gets highlighted even greater than than perhaps other players. I think uh, Catamol is an, an interesting anomaly in the in the system. It's interesting that you mentioned the system because England have been known really like when a, when a players come up through the. I mean, he's captain the under twenty ones, come up through the system. They often go back to these players, mm. even if they're not playing at club level, even if they're out of form. They'll go to the ones who came through, see people like James Beatty. Alan Smith, you know, they were getting England caps and they were, you know, pretty average, but they'd come up through the system. Emil Heskey's a good example of that as well, I think. Um, and it's interesting that they haven't gone to Catamol, um, even though he was in the under-21 squad not, what, three years ago? Mm. Um, Some players do stop there. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, I wouldn't say, to be fair to Catamol, when he's played, and we always, you know, talk about Catamol again, but... When he's played, I, I always think he does like like you say, Chris. I, I think he, he does a good job. I, I don't think he's probably our most consistent player. I think you know what you're going to get from him, I and I, I think he rarely has an absolute shocker. 
I think he might make the oddest mistake in a game. And but pe- again, people talk about players taking responsibility. Now I've got this thing about people always look at the final product, but you've got to get the ball to there to for a final product to happen. And people used to level it at Malbronk as well. It's like, oh, Malbronk, there's no final final ball. It's like, well, but he's won the ball in the halfway line, beaten two players and played the ball into somebody, and then they've played it in. And I think Catamull does take responsibility in the middle, and he, he makes things happen, and he drives things on. And I think he's really important. And like, regardless of his error last night, you know, he gives you more than all the other options we've got. And... I don't see players like Larson and Colbert and Garner and whatnot taking responsibility in the middle of the pitch like he does ever. I agree with what you're saying. But I've, you know, I've, I've, I've spoke on his behalf a lot, a lot of times. I just think the more these mistakes happen, if if the con- if they're directly conceding goals and Poyet might. But I mean, sort, it wasn't really direct because, you know, Virginia and O'Shea got too close to, together, made oh, the mistake. Yeah. Then was there was it? the foul, and then there's the mistake from the goalkeeper and the bad wall. So there's. Four mistakes I think, after I think Catamol's though, initial error. I think error. though the fact that you know John Henderson kind of seen it was Catamol, and he, I know John Henderson closes down people very quickly anyway. That's a kind of player. I think you. I think you might be overthinking that I, slightly. I just think it's a you know it's the same with Myler the other week, wasn't it? Anyway, right, move on from him because we don't want this conversation to sort of divert and what Roy Hodgson shouldn't, shouldn't be doing because uh, we had a bit of a um, tangent last week with Seb Larson and Sweden, didn't we? Right, um, <laughs> Virginia Richard was the other. Other one who's well, no, I'm not going to say other one because, like we said, Catmull was actually all right. But Virginie, do you have a word that sums up his performance last night? Unorthodox. <laughs> <laughs> right, that, that's as that's as polite as I can say. I mean, we were talking about it in the office today, saying it's just how how is he? How did he get? How did he get into this situation where he's where he's managing to play you know professional football in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. It, I mean, t- t- you know, he had, t- 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 he had time and space. That, that chance, not that chance, but the opportunity last night, when he had time and space to to kind of take a touch, possibly clear it, you know, down down the line. Instead, what he did was sliced it. It just like he did at Arsenal, and there must have been a shout. There must have been a shout saying, you know, you got time. Do you, you think when he time. panicked panicked on the ball or at the back, it sort of transferred to the other defenders? It seemed like that to me. I think it, as as a footballer, it would do. I mean, it'd go back to the goalkeeper. It would go right across the back the back five as it was last night. It, you know, the wood. They would kind of see that, and they did protect him themselves and try to keep the ball away from him. It's kind of natural reaction for a footballer to, if they see someone's having a bit of a shocker, and you struggle to keep it away from them. You yeah. can't afford to carry people in the Premier League, no. can you? We did get away over, you know, ironically because of because of the setup. I think. I mean, Chris, I was initially surprised. Well, I mean, we'll get on the key um, just now and how he changed the game. But I was surprised initially that. If he was going to go three at the back and he didn't want to play key in midfield, I was surprised Key possibly didn't play centre half. He's played there before. Um, that indicates the punishment was carrying on from the last game, doesn't it, with Key? When he took him off before half time. Because there will be no logic. I mean, I know he likes Virginie, but Key's played there a lot as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Key hasn't been his best recently. He hasn't been as. Um you know, he hasn't had the same impact in the middle of the park. I don't know whether that's because he's um, he's still adjusting to the introduction of Bridcut to the system or not, and whether those two actually play well t- together or not, or have an understanding. But uh, to be honest, I didn't pick up on that on that key as a centre back point until you put it on Twitter. So I can't really I can't really <laughs> talk about that. I'm, I don't want to inflate your ego or anything. <laughs> I kind of forgot about the Southampton game, but um, that was the Southampton game he played at centre back, wasn't it? Um, in, the in the cup against. 
one of the lower teams he did definitely yeah. he played in the cup final he for, did for Swansea for, for yes Swansea, he did yeah. mm-hmm. centre half I think what, what, what we've said what, what Poyet has said is that when it was at West Ham earlier in the season he wasn't happy with with Key's performance in, in the in the deeper lying role he preferred Catamole in that role and I think that, that signalled a change for him he has played a bit further forward as a result since then so if, if Poyet doesn't trust him in that defensive role he's probably not going to de- trust him as a, as a third centre half Mm, interestingly, certainly changed the game last night, though, didn't mm. he? And I think when we spoke a lot when Bridcut came and saying can Bridcut and Catamol both play on the same side? Last night was, was you know, it sort of fitted into the defensive formation, didn't it? That they both played as holder midfielders, um, and it's the first time though the keys seems to have played that advanced Gareth when he came on. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was talking to a few people today, and I was. Um sort of a dismissed in comparison <laughs> but he reminds us a bit in sort of style and movement as uh, you know when Fellaini used to play off the front for Evan and mm. it was that sort of stuff it was that sort of movement um, and it was good I mean but I mean even we if got he it, we got him into a situation where he didn't have to carry the ball 20 yards before he can play the pass yeah. he was in a situation where he was driving at the penalty area committing players and then bringing others in and making those key passes that you know maybe ca- can we get him in that position for the rest of the season in some capacity I mean he was basically playing in the in the hole wasn't he in a free role um, yeah, yeah. he seems the type of player that can that has uh, he seems to have an inordinate, inordinate amount of time on the ball doesn't he? Yeah. he he seems to just have that kind of presence of mind to, to take a touch and to have a look around and, and play, play the pass and I think that kind of composure in that area of the pitch is something that Sunderland have, have missed this season so it's so almost yeah. like he sort of he needs the responsibility of a of a role like that because like you said before Bridcook came he was the first one who started that deep line role to keep the ball um, to help the team keep possession of the ball you can sort of see that he took with that in the first game Poya tried it uh, a lot faster than the other players did and then when he moved to the centre midfield we've sort of seen him a little bit of a lull haven't we and then now we see him in a more advanced position so it's almost as if he needs he needs the team will benefit if he's an important position like that rather than just being another centre midfielder he played quite far up against uh, against Chelsea in the cup I noticed uh, he, he when he came on and scored yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah when he came on he was he was a lot more advanced and you could you could see glimpses of that last night definitely <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're just thinking about key no <laughs> um, Adam Johnson as well the other one changing game the other one the other the one who came on one. and changed the game yeah yeah I just had a little bit of a nap there sorry <laughs> uh, he was sort of I mean because none of us were at at the game, watched it on the telly, so um, I asked Chris Young earlier on actually to sort of fill me in about the sort of shape and, and system when, once those two players came on. He said Adam Johnson was pretty much afforded a free role, Gareth, but interestingly, he mainly took a position on the left. Mm. Now, I don't know if that was, you know, he was instructed to do so or whether he'd done that off, you know, of his own devices. Yeah. But Chris, Chris said he, he was certainly, certainly seemed like he was afforded a free role. That's interesting, isn't it? Because when Poyet lined up with a three-five-two, and Johnson would naturally be the one who made way, just just for, so that formation works, really. But I suppose it's an alternative, isn't it? Because yeah. it's been mentioned before as well. Let him play a, a sort of free role behind the striker. It's something yeah. we, we've questioned as well, isn't it? Yeah, we talked about it a lot last year, and he did play off the front a bit. Uh, I think under De Canio, didn't he? Kind of, he went into that sort of area. Um, and when we was it when we had the injuries and Graham was playing up front in his own I think he went in behind for a bit but 
never really never really worked when he did it there but I think it's different in that in that system with the three centre backs I think it just frees things up a bit I think you know it, it's not something that teams are used to playing against um, and I think you know the the full backs are so important in Poirot's system and I think the main positive to come out of last night is I feel as though we've found we've discovered something there that we can take into the Tottenham game the Man United game the Chelsea game um, and what's the other terrifying game we've got away from home? <laughs> Man United, Chelsea, Man City, Man City, yeah. and Tottenham. Yeah, so yeah. we can go, we can play that system at all those venues, and it's it's not negative. I know people are talking about defensive systems because you're playing with two old midfielders and three centre backs. I disagree. I think you can be positive um, in, in defence, and you can be you can. It's how you utilise the ball once you win it back, and it's creating the opportunities to 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 attack. Um, getting the players in the right areas once you've won the ball back, um, and and you know there was times last night when I think maybe Wickham and, and Altidore being told to split and and run each channel once we want to retain the ball. So maybe the outlet ball was down either channel, but every time they seem to clear it, they seem to clear it up the middle of the pitch, um, which didn't really work. So we didn't retain it that well, especially with Jackarini, you know, being really bad mm. um, was Jaggerini actually playing last night I, I didn't actually I think we'll say much more of Jaggerini Richard I, d- I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last time he starts his season that's for sure I mean how many chances does he need he's, he's given chance after chance hasn't he to, to do something and a lot you know there's been the groundswell of support mainly from from these four walls here saying that he should be playing behind the strikers he did that last night did he do enough probably not he had help as well I mean he was yeah. playing massive behind massive let down when, when, you, when you push for something isn't it and then they let you down yeah well three the bat worked that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well we're going to let you elaborate on that and whether we think that's a good thing to take into the West Ham game next when we're going to come back we're going to be talking to Nigel Khan we're joined by Nigel Khan now who has his own website MyWHUFC of course West Ham United FC, that's the abbreviation for that, in case you, <laughs> could, in case you couldn't work that out, <laughs> if you want to go and check that out. Uh, right, I want to start, Nigel, we normally, I normally sort of start in the studio and, and bring the guest in uh, to you know, fit in with the Sunderland aspect of the conversation, but I can't help start with Sam Allardyce and last night, for you guys, uh, the fans booed, he cupped his ear towards the fans, and then I've wrote, written some quotes down here, um, what he said afterwards, and we got a little nervous because our fans decided they weren't going to get behind us tonight. It's hard against 10 men. Can I tell West Ham fans why? Because we've won twice with 10 men, but Hull didn't win with 10. We did, and they should be grateful for that. How do you uh, respond to that? <laughs> uh, I tell you, I tell you, <laughs> I heard that for the first time driving home tonight. They played that on TalkSport. I was on Tower Bridge, and my window was open, and the looks I got <laughs> as I screamed, Fs and Cs. <laughs> At the radio, I was—I could not believe it. Honestly, um, I was at the game, so I didn't hear his after what he said afterwards until I heard that. <sighs> Managers should never pick fights with fans because to me, there's only one loser. Mm. And ain't us. That's a thing, isn't um, it? He, 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 he splits opinion. I think I said it before. He splits opinion. More and more people. I, I mean, how bad has it got to be to when you boo a win? <laughs> now that and, and that's what I say when people go oh it's easy to boo it's easy to boo a defeat 
because you can just go, oh, they're fickle supporters, you know. They, they'll cheer a win, but they'll boo a defeat. They can't take it. But when you boo a win, that tells you something even more. It tells the owners of the club so much more that we're getting fed up with it and we're not prepared to put up with it anymore. Richard, that would be um, some headlines for you guys if one of our managers come out and said some stuff like that. I mean, Steve, people sort of, you know, resent Steve Bruce for some comments he made, but he never sort of, he was never that direct, was he? No, no, he wasn't. I know Alan Pardew kind of hinted at it. He, he, he kind of went down that road, and as soon as you kind of go halfway down that road, you're in trouble. Especially with the, you know, the, the fans up, up, up in the northeast, and I know the West Ham fans are, are, are a passionate lot as well. I was down at, down at Upton Park a couple of months ago. I think it was for the yeah for the nil nil draw in November December, <laughs> and some of the fury from the West Ham fans towards Allardyce for a team that were higher than Sunderland at the time. It was it was, it was amazing just to hear it. It was it was like pure vitriol kind of seeping out onto the pitch. And did 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 Allardyce cup his ears? He did, afterwards? yeah. He did towards the fight. He cupped with the start of building. He cupped the, he cupped his ear. Maybe he couldn't hear. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, genuinely couldn't hear. Oh, Can you repeat know. yourself, please? Uh, is, is <laughs> the, uh, what, what have the, your local press sort of made of it all, Nigel? Because as Richard's just set up here, I mean, Richard um, writes for a paper up here, and that would sort of fill pages all week, that, if something like that happened up here. Um, I, I don't really read the, the written press. Obviously, online, there's been a big debate between West Ham fans. Um, something it's you know it's disgraceful to boo whatsoever. Um, I wouldn't say the people were booing the actual players. I think they were booing the performance. You know, no disrespect to Old City. You know, I'm sure everyone expects to beat them and they don't because of where all are. But you, you, we got outplayed. You know, you know, we we got out full. They only had ten. This was the thing. They had ten men. They had their goalkeeper sent off. And fair play to Bruce. He had two up front and kept two up front. He took a defender off. When I've never seen that before. When when you go down to ten men, normally you would sub a, a striker to bring mm. on your goalkeeper. He didn't. He took a defender off, and I thought, blimey, he still fancies it. That might be because though they do they do sometimes play a three at the back, and he might have just gone like a three well, four we, two he, he sort had, of thing. Well, well, it brings us on to our next point, Nigel, because he had he had Stevie's son Alex Bruce playing just in front, sort of Marshall in the back four to cover the threat of Kevin Nolan, didn't he? And then he was the one who made way um, for yeah. that change, really. So is is it seems an easy thing to say for people to think, oh, you look at West Ham, do you think it's a fair reflection of West Ham just to think it's all about Carroll and Nolan, Carroll's knockdowns to Nolan and Nolan being in that dangerous area? So that is that something opposition sort of look to to, to combat almost? With a with a with a midfielder marshal in the back four to to, to sort of nullify the threat of uh, Kevin Nolan? Yeah, I, I, I can honestly say I think if you looked at Saturday's game, I think a lot of that from yesterday was a ball over from Saturday's Man United game. We don't expect to beat Man United, but they had the, they had the worst back line out they've ever put out, and we managed nothing. They put Fellaini, sort of did a man a man marking job on Carroll as well, and it sort of nullified it. So if you look at the way direct way that we play, everything's got to go up to Carroll. If you can nullify that and make it difficult for him. Or create it so there's no space for Nolan to pick up behind him. Your job's done, isn't it? It's an interesting one, but I mean, we, we, no, go on. To me, we didn't beat O last night. They beat themselves because that was, you know, my mate. I remember my mate said to me, "Well, at least it was a good cross." And I went, "A good cross? He didn't even pick out the West Ham player." <laughs> I mean, so 
so yeah, we need a we, we need a little bit of that luck. I'm telling you, the the you got last night with a with a sending off, I think, and with the own goal, sliced own goal like that, because we just don't don't seem to have any of that at the moment. But yeah, are, are you kind of stuck a little bit? Because I mean, there's a lot of sort of opinion now that Allardyce could be on his way out in the summer. As you say, it's very dangerous when you take the fans on, and all that sort of the, those comments last night had it all had the feel a bit of a feel of dead man walking to me. Is the problem that you've sort of or he sort of assembled a side to play around his system. It's going to be hard work for somebody to come in and dramatically change that. We've seen that here at Sunderland. People try to change things, and it, it takes time. It's very frustrating. Well, that 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 is that one of the analogies is is Allardyce's teams don't go down until he's left. I mean, and the problem with that is it's probably because of what he's left behind. That that is a, a big problem that West Ham will face if and when they get rid of Allardyce. Um, what left behind because uh, Andy Carroll left to leave Liverpool because Brendan Rodgers walked into that club and thought well, we're not playing for you mate <laughs> you know you can go um, and, and but the, the owners had to suffer it because Rodgers was their new man and they were changing the way they play Andy Carroll is the focal point of the team this, say for instance we did bring in Ladrup who plays a more passing football similar vein to what Rodgers and Martinez plays because they've, they've learned their stuff in Spain. What happens to Andy Carroll then? West Ham ain't the type of club that can throw away money like that on a player. So they've got to learn to adapt and change. Where do we go? I, I don't know. It's, the owners have got a tough decision to make. I, I know for a fact that they, they, you know, them they're, they're not happy. You know, there's fans at West Ham. They sit there. And they've watched us from the 60s onwards. They know what type of West Ham football the fans want and play. And it's got to be uncomfortable for them as much as it is for us. You always feel, Richard, don't you, that Allardyce sort of has a shelf life with the way he plays. It's something that if you're winning games um, regularly, <coughs> like when he was at Bolton, they were qualifying for Europe, and they're like, the people would buy into it. But it's it's not very easy on you. I remember, I remember you know, when we went to the, um, the, the football writers talking at Lumley Castle. And Steve Harper was on, mm. and I always remember sort of his anecdote then, saying that when he was, when Allardyce was in Newcastle, and there was there was sort of a fullback or a centre half there, and the fans were saying to him, you know, screaming at him to to give the ball to the defender, and he says he couldn't because Allardyce made him play a percentage game. Allardyce made him kick the ball in a certain area where a certain player was going to win was going to win the challenge, and. As I say, that kind of thing's got a shelf life. That needs to work, doesn't it, yeah. for people to sort of accept that. It needs to get results consistently, and as soon as it stops getting results, the fans are going to start getting impatient. Happened and happened with at, at Stoke with Pulis. You know, they had seasons of progress, and as soon as it started to, to regress a bit, the fans started to turn, and were saying, we're, we're, we're sick of seeing this, we're sick of seeing this kind of percentage football, go for the draw, don't play to win a game. And if it's getting results, great, but if it's not, you're in trouble. Do you think... Recently, recently Allardyce has had results. He won four out of four in February. You know, we had a couple of hard games that he didn't win recently, but then he beat Stoke, who we would expect us to beat. We are just fed up of just watching that football. Well, I am, and I'm not speaking for others. I am fed up with it. Nothing will stop me from going, but it will. I will certainly complain. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're like a broken record here, Gareth, every week, aren't we, saying... Um about sides who come up looking for a point Nigel West Ham going to come up looking for a nil-nil first and foremost on Monday um, 
quite. I don't know if they'll go up looking for a nil-nil. In in a way, he's got to be looking. No disrespect, your the position you're in. That um, not you're not there for the taking, but you, you've not been picking up the points that perhaps you should have been, and your performances have been eluded. I, th- I think. So, I think at home though, Nigel, a big part of that at home is that when sides come up and make themselves very hard to break down, sort of put ten men behind the ball. That's when we're not picking up the points that we should be on paper because the sides are coming up and they're getting in the nil-nil. On in the case of Aston Villa, they actually got a breakaway goal and got a one-nil win. So that's the reason I'm sort of asking that question. I mean, if you look at how we played against Chelsea, when Mourinho said it was 19th century football, <laughs> I, I mean, ta- you know, Allardyce surpassed even me. You know, to, to play ten and none and none. Um, literally the whole game, no one up front at all. It was a, it was a new one on me. It was good at Chelsea, you know, because it's local rivalry, and they are a good team. So the nickel point of Chelsea fun, you know, whether those travelling up Monday would 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 welcome a f- performance like that, I'm I'm not sure. See, I'm just because. I mean, sorry, carry on. Yeah, I mean, normally for me, I've always had Sunderland. I've always looked forward to because normally we've had wins up there. <laughs> when I've gone, I've never lost. Where every time I've gone to Sunderland, which I was going this time. Um, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. But there's loads of people who've been up that away, and this season they love it. You know, celebrating and that. You know, coming and taking points. I think we've only won three games all season in the league, so mm. it's uh, it's been a bit. That's that's where that, our problem lies in the fact that we haven't just, you know, we just. Every time it gets to these must-win games, you know we we don't win them. Um, you know we beat Stoke one nil. Um, only one, isn't it? And that's it. Season, recently, yeah. I mean, we, we drew nil nil with Norwich. We lost one nil to Villa. Um, we drew nil nil with, um, Palace. with Palace. Uh, obviously, got beat off Fulham first game of the season. I'm actually curious um, again, like not to keep going on about Allardyce. And I think Allardyce is quite funny because he, he's got quite. I think he's got quite a high opinion of himself and. The way he put, or puts himself across, and you know, he's, I think he thinks he's better than he actually is. Um, but who, who, now obviously we had Decanio, and obviously Decanio's got that West Ham connection. Is there any I chance? I would love to say is that. There that any, I would no, no, no that. I, I mean, for your sake, Nigel, I really <laughs> wouldn't like to see it happen because. But is that something that could happen, or do you think he's just completely burned his bridges as a manager in the Premier League at the moment with Sunderland? Do you think the West Ham fans would accept him? I think they would accept him. It's a tough one, you know. We we all watch with real interest, and and with what he would do there. And for me, De Canio's the the, the greatest player I've seen live play for West Ham, or most. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more 
and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Skillful player, done things with a ball. So I was really keen to see and hope that he would do well with Sunderland. And even I, the staunchest Decanio fan, would struggle. It's, it's one of them I always thought, if the owners could sit him down and say, look, Paolo, this is your dream job, you can have it. But if you behave like that, we're going to kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> then, oh, and you've got to have this man with you to look after it, like bring someone else in, like Zola or, or something, to hold his hand so the pair of them can do it as a team then perhaps maybe but if it, it, I, I can't see any I don't know about Premier I can't see a championship team gambling mm. on him the way he behaved at Sunderland it was madness I just think you know it's that emotional connection I just thought maybe in the you know oh, I'd love it I'd love to thing, think that the Canio yeah. could come down here Clever and manage judgment. be a success um, I just the, the only the funny thing I remember writing about this uh, when he was uh, um, Swindon saying the reason why our owners would never appoint him because they would never have someone more popular with the fans than them. <laughs> Sounds and like there's a lot of egos down there at Upton Park. Well, <laughs> it is, because if Canio picked a, an argument, if, this, if Allardyce picked an argument with the board, then the fans would back the board. But if Canio picked an argument with the board, it would be interesting to see who the mm. fans, depending on what the argument was. I can da- um, guarantee that Canio would, would pick an argument with the board, <laughs> the players, well, the supporters, the team. Picked an argument with himself in a yeah. mirror, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, though, the Decanio thing, you know, it was a long time ago. It well it seems like an age ago now, but you know, I know everyone talks. Ago, yeah, he, he, he talk, a lot of the. You know, a lot of the talk was about the fact he he kind of taught himself out of the job by going on like an idiot. Well. You know the the, the stone cold fact is that we played seven games and had one point and tatni- they were yeah. he was technically naive and inept to be honest. Um, he was you know so I mean it's funny when you talk about the type of football and and Andy Carroll and you kind of look at De Canio and think if he got it working with his four four two with the wingers getting whipping balls into uh, to Carroll like that's what he wants to do play this kind of you know four two four even talked about at times when he was at Sunderland. It might work, but it's you know that that's like maybe going over old ground. But yeah, I just thought it was an interesting one because sometimes you know you look at Newcastle when Keegan came back and stuff like that, and um, when Quinny took over the uh, manager's job at Sunderland, oh, and he, he, even after the Canio, that didn't he? Well, even after the Canio, Nigel, Pete were t- saying, what about um, bringing uh, Reed Reed back mm. um, with Kevin, like bring Reed and. Kevin Ball in as a management yeah. team oh, and stuff. Too sentimental yeah. going Nigel before I ask you for a prediction just on that now because Gareth's sort of brought the kind of thing up I'm interested in when we sort of appointed uh, Gus Poyet here a lot of people were saying oh we should have went for Pulis he would have kept us up he knows how to do it now he's got a good chance of doing that with Crystal Palace but a common sort of opinion was around people I know that we'd rather get relegated with Gus Poyet than stay up with Tony Pulis um, because of, I suppose, for reasons similar to sort of what you're saying about Allardyce. So, would you, if you could, how would you find yourself in that scenario? If you if you could get rid of Allardyce next season at the cost of relegation, but got somebody in you would be happy with, is that something you'd be willing to take, or would you rather sort of just um, struggle along in the Premier League and put up with Allardyce? Me personally, um, I would accept relegation all day long. I've always argued with football fans and the Premier League way. I know it's all about money, but as football fans, if you go just about the result, then stay at home and watch it on Sky Sports News. 
Because if it's purely about the result, why are you spending 40, 50 quid to sit through the game just to see what happens at the end? We, we go there to watch football, which we're not getting. Now, if it meant that we've got to go through a change and we've got to take our medicine, I've never been frightened of relegation. Relegation's never bothered me, purely for the fact that I probably I still go. I ain't one of these that go, oh, we're playing rubbish, we're going down, I'm not renewing. If West Ham were opening an envelope, I'd probably turn up and watch it. <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, get him in as your manager. <laughs> that's, you know, it ain't, you know, I don't, you know, I am a sensible person. I don't ever believe in my lifetime West Ham will ever finish in the Champions League, let alone win the title. All I ask for is we play a good brand of football. I don't want tippy-tappy like Arsenal, 38 shots and 38 passes and not a shot on goal yet. It's like falling asleep now. You want to see a bit of blood and thunder and guts and passing and everything thrown in all mixed up and a few wins and a, you'll take a few defeats on the chin if you put up a good fight. So yeah, relegation never frightens me. Frightens the money men. Because mm. <laughs> that's the way of the world now with football. Sold it sold. I think if we had if we had an audience, you would have you would have had a round of applause there, Nigel. I think. Can we um, can we get a prediction for you um, from you for Monday night then? Well, I think I, I just want to say I can't believe what Sky saw in in the Upton Park game to make them put this game on Sky <laughs> on a Monday night. I can't believe because I'm going for a nil nil. <laughs> Don't say that. Um, should we get our predictions now, or should we come back and do it, or should we do it now while we're on the predictions? Yeah, might well, Okay, not? then go on. Then you can start. Um, I'm going to say one one. These draws are just no good. I know, for anybody. I know it's not good, no. but I just like goals galore. And just see one of these games where it's you know West Ham might get one, and then we manages to eat our way back into it, put some pressure on, but just can't get that second. Which you know, if we concede one, scoring two at home seems to be scoring <laughs> one at home is a problem. I mean, we've only scored, two, we've only we haven't first league goal we scored since the Newcastle game February first last night. So, we've only had about three games, Chris. And we we only we scored one in the uh, Capital One Cup final, one in the Southampton game. So I didn't realise. Shows you out the door, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. To be honest, to be fair to, to him, he has been poor, but you know he, he's become a bit of a scapegoat. I think, you know. Chris. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't say I don't know. You've got to give us a prediction. I'll go. I'll go for a one-nil win for some. Right. Okay. Really that's that's just it. blind optimism, isn't yeah, it? Blind so. faith. Don't know why why you would have faith. What's happened? <laughs> justify that. <laughs> I'm going to go nil one. Oh, Richard man, Kevin Nolan, 85 minutes. Oh my god! And then <laughs> run away doing that chicken do, dance. Yeah, thing. do the chicken. The chicken was re- well. Yeah, there was that whole thing. Last show his Newcastle tattoo. Yeah, there was that whole thing at the the last one, wasn't it? Because we won three nil and uh, chicken is dead. It was like that whole thing. Kevin Nolan, the chicken is dead. Was the song, and then what? He'll be resurrected. <laughs> on the, uh, he's he's one of those players where he's got he's got something on Sunderland, doesn't he? He always seems to do something. He always seems to wind somebody up and yeah, do yeah. something. Yeah. He was actually, to be fair to him, actually, in that whole thing last time, he was actually he took it in good nature. He did take it in yeah. good nature, he and did. it was actually quite good to see because um, you don't often get that connection between supporters and players in you know in in any capacity now. Um, and it was it was actually nice to see him sort of. You know, sort of playing the pantomime villain. I mean, they were brought five minutes to go three 0 down. You weren't going to get back into it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, has anybody noticed that I've managed to skip my prediction? Oh no, I didn't actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to say what I really think. So I'm just going to say one 0 like Chris and blind faith because we've, we've law of averages says we've got a, <laughs> we've got a scrape a one 0 in one of these games somehow. Anyway, right, we we are going to come back and speak more about 
the West Ham game, spend ten minutes on it. It's just because we're going to get into systems and formations, and I didn't want Nigel to be sitting there like a like a spare part in the background. <laughs> <laughs> We do have question of the week coming up as well. I want to spend now just five, maybe to ten minutes, depends uh, how much Gareth gasses on um, about formation systems and stuff. Right? There's two theories regarding this sort of three centre half thing. One is that we found some rhythm against Liverpool, and we should take that into the next game. The second is playing against a side that's going to pretty much have one up front with somebody behind them. It seems a little bit wasteful to have an extra centre half in there. Gareth, where are you with this? Um, yeah, it, well, initially I was like, well, stick with it because it. Oh, it, you've had a change of mind. It did quite well. It wasn't so much that the, you know I was talking about a couple of wrote report lads today, and they they made some good points actually, and they were kind of saying there's probably not much point in having five, basically five defensive players. When you're really only going to be combating against two. Well, that was what I, that was what I was going to come back to you with. Yeah, so you know it makes it. I mean, it's a, go it's back a, to you earlier. Yeah, your earlier well, no, opinion, no, and, stick, let, and let me shoot yeah, your theory down. But just stick with it because it, it it seemed to work quite nicely. I do think it gives you the the two midfielders at the base gives you a a good a good building block, and it, it frees it also frees up your attacking players, which. You know, you've got to give the the quality players that we've got the freedom to to work in, and they would be, you know, Key Johnson in that sort of those three roles. So it would be like the three four two one would be the way I'd go with Barini at the top. Um, that was this was my initial thought: Barini at the top, and then Johnson that free row from the left. Key almost advanced in that in the hole. The two holding midfielders, then your full backs bombing on, and I'd probably bring Roberge in at centre back. With with the two, well, I don't think Roberge is great. I don't think he's. I don't think Roberge has done anything absolutely horrific, mind. Um, comp- I mean, comp- Virginia's had two worse games than Roberge has had at Sunderland, um, and I think he'd be all right in the back three at home against West Ham. My worry is uh, second balls. I think Sunderland are bad at defending second balls, and and that is going to be West Ham's main threat. Is Second balls in around the penalty area. First balls as well have been problematic. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, yeah. three cent halves, a bit wasteful. I think it's 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 wasteful when you've got someone like Virginia as your third man. Um, I'd I'd be I'd be with Gareth on that one. I'd go. I'd you could go. literally just I mean he he sort of makes a nuisance of himself that much. Yeah. Virginia you could literally just say you go and sit down over there while we play. Yeah. <laughs> You just stand back and watch yeah, this, boys. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather have someone like Roberge or someone. But would you play like even play three centre halves now against West Ham? Probably not. No, I mean, I mean, personally, if I was if I was picking the team today, I'd 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 go for a base of four and have two midfielders sitting three ahead of them. Um, not dissimilar to what he's been doing so far, but with a couple of little tweaks here and there with you know the the, the midfield three a little bit cut, more cut them forward. All Cut them along, Brid sitting. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think well, it's like, a four, like a four-two-two-two almost, yeah, or a well, four-two-three-one. That's, that's the four-two-two-two things. The one I was going for, yeah. and the reason for that is because you need one of those holding midfielders to to sort of look after the Kevin Nolan, don't you? Yeah. Um, that that's logical. But also another one because I think you've got to be you've got to be prepared for one of your fullbacks to yeah. really get forward. That would well, be so a, that would be Alonso, wouldn't it? So it would, what you, well, you would almost have him play like a wing back, and then if you've got two covering centre midfielders. That they can drop really, in. Yeah. Well, what Catamola Brig could drop in on either side if you if you've got, you know, I mean, the, the West Ham threat really isn't going to come through 
down the flanks is it's going to come from diagonal deep balls through the middle of the pitch um, that's where the threat's going to be I just think at home the impetus to attack uh, one. I think you would probably encourage one of your full backs to get forward and, and mm. sort of double up on, on that left hand side perhaps yeah. I, mean, I don't know who's playing right back for West Ham Chris have you got any sort of systems in your, in your mind which way you would go uh, is Alonso back for West Ham yeah yeah yes well I'd, I'd go for four at the back um, and then uh, I'd go for a three man midfield I'd go um, Bridcourt Catamol um, and Key in the middle uh, Barini up front Johnson on the right and on the left I would have Jack Colback actually because mm. I think he done pretty well so that was like similar to the final side yeah well yeah pretty much a mirror of the final um, to be honest um I think it would obviously be a lopsided formation because Johnson would be in a much more advanced role on the right than John than uh, Colback is on the left. But I think he did really well overlapping with uh, with Alonso in the cup final, and obviously Alonso's. I think he's a better crosser of the ball than Colback is. And T- Colback's ties into what, what I'm saying, Gareth, that a little bit anyway, doesn't it? Um, mm. If I'm you know four two 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 because it, again you would have Alonso bombing, and I suppose Colback could tuck in a little bit I mean, a lot and, and cover for Key going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, but I think that's. See what you're saying, Chris, but I kind of think that's a that might be a, a, a relatively defensive-minded move for like a, a front, mm-hmm. what would be like a wide yeah. player, maybe. I can see the thinking though. If he um, tucks in though, if Catamol, not the same, not yeah. mirroring, not mirroring the no, no. League but what's he gonna, gonna give you in that? Uh, what's he gonna give you further forward, Catamol? Uh, sorry, uh, call back, and that's always mm. the issue. You just don't know what you're gonna get. I mean, there's a there's an argument. I guess you could probably in that system if you had. A four-two-two-two, but almost like a four-two-three-one with a staggered three, where you had like Gardner, maybe. Um, I don't know where where he's been. Has he been injured? Or I mean, he hasn't he been on, on the bench. He was put on the bench. I saw him on the bench. Was he on the last, bench? He was talking to someone in the in in the, was in the stand. He was on the bench last night. Was he? He was. He was. He was there. I don't was know he? he was part of the. I don't know if he was part of the eighteen or if he was part of the. So, you know, the I mean, not rate too much in that. It was for the yeah, he, he but picks the sides of the game, yeah. doesn't he? So I mean, you can have Gardner, um, who it's it's about goal, getting goal threats in your side, and he's a goal threat. I don't really rate him, but you know, in a, in, a, in that at home, but in I that sub- system. But, but I mean, you were sort of saying that Key looked so good in that advanced position. Well, I would so. I wouldn't play. Um, I'd play a kind of staggered three, so kind of Johnson advanced from the left, mm. um, Key pushed on further up, and Gardner just behind him. So Gardner's still coming onto the ball but we've got two defensive midfielders so you're gonna we're gonna afford to have essentially almost um almost you you're playing like Johnson as an outside left rather than a winger and you're playing Key as an advanced sort of almost in the hole and then you've got Gardner as a attacking midfield player who can drop in as well so you've got good options and I think with the, the see I don't necessarily think that putting two up front with two defensive midfielders is is the way to go for us? I just feel as though we'd be better off putting midfielders in. And the, and the, the, the formation he's been playing. Yeah, we're better off now. playing midfielders because I should, think they're going to give should, us more in theory work. I'm just trying to think of alternatives because for whatever reason that hasn't happened. The, the issue you, you think got, you need to sort of set up yeah. in a different way to try and even if it's just an element of surprise to the opposition. I don't know what people's thoughts are now because the, the four three three would be the thing, but you've got a problem now because you want to play Barini through the middle. You take his wide position away. Now Jack Arini has kind of almost played himself out of contention, so he's not going to play. Jack Arini's a wide player well, with Barini well, through add, the middle and Johnson. Some, so some, who else do you well, put in there? To add some clarity, uh, did, did you read Chris Young's match preview today? 
I didn't know. He said that Poyet has already said Wigan will start against West Ham. Has yeah. he? I did read that quote, yeah. yeah. He so said that's guaranteed to start. So, you know, reading between the lines, he's going to go back to the... 4-3-3 three, three yeah. with Barini wide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for me, that would be. I could, I could have, I could have said that at the start, but I want to, I want people to predict the no, lineups no, I, and, and I did read and that. Be inaccurate, quote, to be honest. Um, but you did ask <laughs> oh, what, I, what I would I. do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did ask what I would do, and not necessarily what I think Poyet will do. So mm-hmm. I think Poyet will probably go Wickham through the middle. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. I think what, what I've noticed, I should, what, I should have kept quiet and just predicted that anyway. <laughs> yeah, look, look, like right when it came. Yeah. I think what's 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 concerned me is that the the kind of reluctance to put Barini up top when it's clearly the best attacking option. It seems to be like a, a mistrust of of whoever would come in Barini's place on the left. That's exactly I, I, I think. I, yeah. I, I think I don't think you could go any any worse. I don't yeah. think the, the the attackers that they've had, even bringing Wickham back on from loan. What's what what has Wickham done in his time at, at Elland Road to, to warrant a return? To be kind of rewarded with with a start. You're coming back on here, you're gonna play at Anfield tomorrow night. Well done. It it just seems it, it seemed a bit odd to me. Then then Wickham comes out with this stuff you know, this week saying this could be you know the turning point for me. I can turn my career around from here. This could be the start of something big. When they played better when he went off, mm. that, that's the thing. That's you know that's what the the the, the Wickham story that kit that was that was done. Uh, I think Chris Young wrote it today. He said ironically, mm. Sunderland were better when when Wickham went off. So it completely kind of goes against what Wickham mm. said. I thought he was a victim of circumstance to be honest because I mean if he if he took Altador, Altador I think it would have had the same effect. Probably, it was, yeah. it was yeah. definitely like a, a, a formation point. type yeah. thing. So Altador did did all right it when okay, it, for the for the last 20 minutes when I when he needed when he had people running off him like, he did he did okay but I'm that's, not, that's, I'm not that's like by his own standards. So do we think he's just going to can we just sort of clarify that everybody thinks he's just going to go back to the tried and trusted formation he's not going to Play two up front because just because he said Wickham's playing, he could play two up front. Well, he might play Barini behind, like we're talking about there. Just, you just get the impression because before Liverpool, when he brought Wickham back, and he said sort of the reason, his main reasoning for that was he felt that you know if we're going to go, he didn't say this, but he more or less said you know if we go down, I won't be happy with myself if I haven't tried everything. So because we aren't getting results, you kind of think he's he's sort of almost given up on the, on that previous system, even though he said it will come. Hmm. And you just wonder what he's got up his sleeve, don't you? It's it's a bit exciting to have him as manager off of that, isn't it? It's, well, not, it's not the same old, same old, is it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, say we kind of wrote off that three at the back thing jokingly last week, and then he goes and plays three at the back, um, which is, you know, it's, I mean, that Poyet, you know, he's made some mistakes, yeah. Um, but I think he's he's I think he's a going to be a top manager, like. I think Definitely. what's key for me is that that these systems that are being kind of rolled out ahead of games. I hope they're all being kind of trained. They're all training in this system. He's not going to like kind of slap the team sheet on the wall on Saturday morning and say, "Right, we're playing five at the back." I don't um, think he's that kind of manager. No, is no. I mean, I mean, I can. I, I know ma- managers have done that in the past. They have been the kind of a bit kind of shaking a boggle book box up of, of formations and coming out with what the best one is. And it wouldn't be you surprised can't, you can't like, be a formation, can mm. you? you? Can't you? Can't. But he, tr- he did say the other night though that he'd was it he'd uh, he trained with Bridcut and <coughs> Catamore playing together. So whether In that was an th- whether that, yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think it's like. Oh. I think my my main point is that you can you can kind of put your faith in systems. You can we can talk about five five at the back. We can talk about three at the back. It comes down to personnel. It comes down to the players, you know, putting the performances in against. The smaller teams against the teams that matter, the teams where you can take points off as well as winning points. 
it's it's good that they can do hope that they can do that against those teams as opposed to the teams where it doesn't really matter the Liverpools and Manchester Cities and and, and Man United things like that. Yeah, I think it was Brian Clough actually who said um, tactics don't lose game players players lose games or something like that. I've noticed that actually I in the last three years. That. <laughs> <laughs> and still they're here, yeah, they're still losing. Are. You've got to find a balance, I think. But Have you got your? But we like to f- go between to, to tactics to and good play. No, because balance the, between uh, winning and losing. No, no, you just <coughs> you can't just say that it's just always no. down to players. Yeah, it, no, tactics, no. it's a balance, isn't it? Otherwise, you could just you know you could just well, chuck anyone out there mm. and tell them to you know mm. be good at football. Lads. I don't think David Moyes will be struggling as much as he is if uh, <laughs> if it, if that was the yeah. case. Right? Have you got your sheet ready? Or have you got to go to the other ready, side yeah, of the no, studio for we're going to finish on our question of the week? Yeah, I've got it. Aye. Question of the week, a return of question of the week because I've uh, been rather lazy to be honest. Um, with uh, question of the week recently, I haven't been uh, forgetful is a plate of word. Nah, lazy. lazy. I've been really busy actually, just uh, s- sympathy pile it on. I'm sure you don't care at all. Um, yeah, don't. so <laughs> so yeah, we had uh, question of the week this week, um, which was uh, if you could induce in- induce. <laughs> Introduce a rule or element of schoolyard football to help Sunderland's wars. What would it be and why? Um, there was a number of answers via the medium of the Twitter. Um, can I just say before we start, is that everyone I think had last goal the winner, next goal the winner, next goal the winner, last goal the winner, whatever. Um, so I've got one answer of that that I thought was the the best one. So. So anyway, um, a number of people, including Noel Webb, Paul Smith, and Steve Beattie, had knee blammers in the box, which is uh, was one of my favourites because uh, back in the day that was uh, one both of mine. Liverpool's goals are outside the box. So I know they could have followed that rule and still won. I know. Knee, knee <laughs> yeah, knee volleys in the six-yard box. Um, it's hope I can't stand. Remember them? Mm. Um, Rush goalie that was a popular one, relatively as well. Um, Dave James said. Uh, don't feel obliged to pick your be- your mates for your team so Gus would never pick Virginia again <laughs> um, Bruce McLachlan said a 0-0-10 formation uh, might score occasionally out the door still on the bench uh, Monsieur Damp said uh, when they're down the other end get Manoni to move the jumpers closer together <laughs> um, Ian Gibson said give us a 10 goal head start uh, Damien Spellman was on last week three three pots and in he called I don't know it was called three goals and in but uh, pots in those days aye uh, <laughs> Suarez aye. Aye. Suarez won't, wouldn't have done much damage in goal uh, uh, Ross Varnum Collier uh, the crossbars on the eyes the goalie can jump so stick Jaggerini in that was similar, similar to mine was it uh, Connor Smith uh, said we used to play on goals don't count so it'd probably be mid-table um, Bud I think he must have gone to a Catholic school because he said the losing team gets bum slaps uh, Dave Marge Arum. I always call him Dave Marge because of his Twitter name I get confused he's a regular Bantasaurus on the Twitters uh, he said a, a mandatory fat unagile lad in goal for the opposition um, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, you were on you were on always on our team Richard not the opposition um, someone with a hashtag in the username Harold says uh, unless the player cries it's not a foul uh, John Graham won the next goal the winner argument because he said next goal the winner of the season which I don't know what that would entail but I quite like the idea of that um, 
Joseph Broly said, uh, get a two-goal head start on the worst player out of the 22 in your team, DeSena in brackets. <laughs> uh, John Walker um, put a no-ball game, signing Anfield, so a teacher calls the game off after five minutes. Uh, Gavascu, rolling subs, at least then he could try out Scott going Jack Arini without worrying about it and bring on Seb for set pieces, etc. Um, Yarni said, play with a ragged old tennis ball. Um, and Nick Holden said, Captain take turns to pick the team from the 22. And it was the only way we'd stand a chance of winning against Liverpool and probably against many teams. Um, and that was it. There's no, no, uh, there's no, no winner, there's no prize, uh, no winner, there's nothing. Um, <laughs> the best one was the move and the jumpers closer together. Yeah, that would win. That's sort of a better know, version of mine as well, anyway. You'd win the what? adulation of your peers. What would playing with a smaller ball achieve? What would that achieve? It'd just be like futsal, wouldn't it? Well, like Pele used to with oranges on the beach. Even smaller targeting. <laughs> as a kid. Didn't he say that on yeah. Skip the Victory or something? I don't know. Gareth, can you give us yours? Um, I can't remember what it was. Hugo, Hugo first. Hugo? I can't remember what it was. I think I had a couple. Hugo, what's yours? I, I, I'll, I'll <laughs> go, I had a couple. I'll go. Mine was just similar to the, to the um, to stay on the sort of theme of jumpers for goalposts and so not have a crossbar and then just claim that every single shot went over because you used to do that at school all the time, yeah, didn't yeah. you? Hour. Hour. Was Hour. over. Right. You just no. underneath your arm. Oh, right. it was over. It was right. over. Right. Yeah, kind of yeah. yeah, we'd have Even a chance <laughs> then. We'd have a chance then. Gerard, you could have said it. And Sturridge's. I would claim both of those goals were over. Nah, right. went over. Nah. Just get the ball yeah. out and like put <laughs> yeah. it down. Right. Like kick off again yeah. like normal. Wasn't in. What are you talking about? No, it wasn't. Right. Aye. Who's closer to the goal, me or you? Wasn't that was it? also worse if you made an unbelievable save and tipped it round. They were like, no, it was in off the post. <laughs> the imaginary post. Anyway. Um, I would probably say, and this would only apply for home games, that would be like my ball, my rules. Uh, we've had a few my ball, yeah. my rules. Well, I didn't see them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, 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 if my pod, go my like rules. two or three goals down, just pick the ball up, walk yeah. off, and say a game over. I think Luis Suarez would do that if he. Yeah. If he thought he could get away with it anyway. Yeah, he did in the World Cup, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. There he is. Chris, yeah. you've got the floor to finish the podcast off then well, this week. I've I've I haven't done my... I haven't done my... Chris can go and I'll go last. Right. Well, I've got two of them, actually. Go on, you do your two then. I don't know if this is a generational thing or not, but at school we used to play the Bali rule, where basically if you show Bali before you go in for a sliding tackle, there's no foul. So, uh, given the amount of red cards we've had this season, I think the Bolly rule would work quite well. But you've mm. got to shout before you do the tattle. And that was named after Kevin after Ball, was it? Yeah. Mm. Detective Goldsmith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, good journalist, mate. And uh, the second one would be, um, you know, when you pretend you're a, you're a... When you call someone in the football yard, like, oh, today I'll be, uh, be somebody. Oh. I was always somebody. Just get out of the door. Just pick anyone, really. <laughs> just... Preferably like Abby Phillips. So he literally Kevin becomes player. that player. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> he just morphs into Kevin Phillips and then. That was always the worst one if you came to the game late and someone was like, uh, like, oh, you were like, I'm going to be this player. And they were like, no, no, I'm already him. Yeah. yeah. And then you you got saddled with like well, Terry be, Cook or something like that. I'll be him for England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, the, that was yeah. it, I. I'll be him for England. Yeah, so but I'm Gary Lineker. No, well, I'm Gary Lineker. For, well, I'm Gary Lineker for Tottenham then and you could be Gary Lineker for England. It used to be allocated <laughs> for me. It was always Taibi. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Oh, Tavia. Yeah, you can't yeah. catch the ball. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, it's, like, it's, like it's a common theme, that's <laughs> Yeah, it's still Tavia now, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, I. De here now. I, I had a couple. Um, uh, one of them was uh, if you kick it, if you kick it over, you get it. So all the people who haven't shot at the stadium, 
So if they kick it over and it goes into that vast empty seating areas or down the tunnel, they've got to go and get it and they'll be down to 10 men for a brief period. Good one. Mm. And also the other one was sort of... Well, actually, you got to technique three. When you start to lose, just uh, sort of take it really badly and then turn it into a game of Irish football. Did that ever happen where somebody <laughs> just decides they're going to pick it up and start running around with it like rugby? Is that not rugby, yeah. And then, Irish football. Well, you know, like Gaelic football. <laughs> Gaelic football. Right, you know, yeah. Know. So they just used to turn into a massive game. So that's what you could do. You could descend the, uh, and then like after a few weeks of it happening, the uh, headmaster would have to have an assembly and say, "There's been too many injuries of people playing Irish football in the play yard," and uh, then it would get banned, and we'd go back to playing normal football. And the other one would be, scrap the football, just go from uh, basically in the Premier League. So for example, the heart, the best school in Sunderland, the hardest lad from the best school in Sunderland would fight the hardest lad from the best school in Liverpool and then meet in the centre circle and everyone would come down from the schools and like stand and watch because that used to happen sometimes on a lunchtime mm, sounds like a Mad Max film or something like that um, I went to school in Washington yeah, so, exactly. yeah, yeah, so it I'm is familiar Mad with that sort of thing as well yeah. <laughs> I bet Lee cut them all you went to Sandhill View exactly yeah, yeah. No, someone uh, yeah. once fired a staple gun at me at school <laughs> Uh, when, you know when the industrial one did like, it go through your legs? No, went through hey! <laughs> hey! went, went in my neck. I look like I've been right. bitten by it. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm digressing. Yeah, That's that isn't that isn't what happened with uh, with football. No. Or, no. Yeah, aye. So that was that. It was a bit poo, wasn't it? Really, when you think about it. Oh, well, I wasn't too bad. He probably overdone it with three. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if, if somebody oh, it was my um, fault, was it? Yeah. If somebody, was one too um, many. if somebody said to me prior to the Norwich game that we would lose so as, as, as worryingly as we did in that game and get beat off Liverpool I thought that this would have been a really down, yeah. downbeat yeah. podcast this week so I think we've done yeah. we've done our way to keep the mood upbeat yeah. so. we've got a couple of things as well going on I think we might have a competition in a few weeks which will be a really good one so keep an ear out for it win a championship um, I need a, I've been yeah it is yeah. I've been um, speaking to somebody and uh, we'll hopefully I'll follow that I need to follow that like, this week actually but it is a really good is that prize the prizes, yeah yeah that's a really good prize so keep an eye it's out debatable. for keep an ear out for that an ear and an eye debatable depends what happens on Monday yeah so yeah I think it's a really good prize <laughs> um, it is <laughs> the church d- donated yeah, a car yeah, yeah you win the team bus um, <laughs> so you can park it in the, in the yeah, Man City goal box yeah yeah um, and uh, the other one is I think what we're going to try and do in a few weeks I haven't sent this email either, but we were talking about the other night, Stephen. Um, there's a, a, a web application called Fandio, um, which is basically um, where people can all watch the game together, um, and you have a chat room. People can come in and contribute opinions. Um, it's like a Skype type effort. Chat so like chat roulette. Yeah, we're, so we'd host the chat, um, and um, <laughs> then you can everyone can join in. It'll be on the Roker Report website. Everyone can join in, come on and watch the game. We'll all watch it together, and then we'll host it. And then if people have got uh, any decent opinions and thoughts, we can bring you in um, if you've got a microphone and stuff like that. But when we confirm the ins and outs of it, um, we'll talk about it more next week. So keep an ear and eye out for that. But it could be for the Tottenham game on the Monday night. I think it's the seventh of April. Okay. So I haven't really sold that very well. I'm sure. I'm sure we have. Yeah. People probably switched off by. It'll now be a anyway. bit like it'll be a bit like a podcast, but while we're watching the match, that's how I would describe it. But you can get involved. Hashtag get involved. <laughs> hashtag. What? Do, who do you think is whose goal was better? Hashtag yes. Hashtag no. 
favourite. Yeah, that works, doesn't it? Hashtag mm-hmm. yes, hashtag no, because there's no other hashtags on the internet that are hashtag yes and hashtag no. Can I do a plug as well, quickly? Um, you can. can. Right. Put your money in the box. <laughs> right, well, the next issue of ALS is the 25th anniversary special. So there's been 25 years of ALS. There's only actually been 22 <laughs> really? years of me. So, you know, I can't really take any credit for, for the 25 years, but yeah. You can take credit for 23, though. Yeah, I'm sure that Martin was Not really. deeply inspired by when you yeah, were born. My birth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was there. He delivered you. <laughs> I will bring him up. <laughs> he will take this on. So yeah, if, yeah. You've got, if you've got any like memories of you know meeting a girl on the ALS bus, so you know <laughs> I've heard stories about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's always the same girl, though. That's the thing. Yeah. So if you've got any memories of she ALS, she got a story in. Oh yeah. Well, she's got a, basically the full magazine. You know what I mean? <laughs> Plenty of conquests. Anyway, we've digressed slightly <laughs> again. If you've got any memories of ALS from over the over the years, or you want to you want to contribute to that one, then then get in touch. And I think that's out for the fourteenth. I think so. Richard, is anything else you want to plug I mean, now I before could, we finish? We're I going could, in a sort of uncharted territory here. I'm, I'm not wanting to plug things. I know. I, you know. I could plug the fact that the Northern Echo is available in shops for sixty-five <laughs> pence. And it's available Monday to Saturday, and I could also plug that the Durham Times is also available, which which is this week written by Stephen. The 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 Durham Times. The whole thing. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stephen did yeah. the paper. Yeah. No, I, could, I could I could plug that, but I'm not going to because I'm better than that. Mm-hmm. Then you start need to start. You don't need to buy well. the paper. You just look at it online for free. Yeah, you, your story don't go online. I know. Yeah, that was yeah, don't go it online. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to take I don't know how to take newspaper. You should buy. You should uh, buy in the newspapers. You keep yeah, just in order to keep me yeah. in the job, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or not? I'll be good. I have no journalists to have on the podcast in the future because there'll be no no media. We'll be the media. We'll be like, be like Newcastle be like, United. Be like Mad no Max, media. but Mad Max. with podcasts or. Yeah, it won't be like my max at all. <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. This this is sort of the longest outro we've ever had. Really, I yeah. was, was prepared to say by years ago. If there's anybody listening, um, <laughs> still by this point, then we hope you can join us. We hope you can join us next week. Although, should we uh, <laughs> lose on Monday, <laughs> we'll yeah. be very worried about. Uh, join us for next season's and, championship yeah, special. Yeah, the championship special yeah. next week. We'll have it next week. Get in yeah. there before everybody else. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.